You're listening to Illuminate Your Practice, a podcast designed for docs craving both personal and professional growth. I'm your host, Dr. Christy Wick. I'm a practicing chiropractor, CEO, and multi-passionate entrepreneur with three extraordinary businesses. I've worked with hundreds of DCs to grow their practices with patients they love and profits that continue to grow. I personally spent many years traveling down dead ends, riddled with sleepless nights and underwhelming cash flow, only to pick myself up, face the fear, and figure out my road to seven-figure practice success. It's the road I want to help you find now instead of later. It's my mission to facilitate the healing necessary to illuminate your path to success so you can own it and thrive. Let's jump in and see what today's episode has in store for you now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Illuminate Your Practice. I'm your host, Dr. Christy Wick. And today's episode is another rendition of the 2%. So these conversations are specific interviews to seven-figure women in chiropractic. So female CEOs and founders who have started their own practice and have grown it to seven figures plus in annual revenue. Hopefully you have been enjoying this series. It is something near and dear to my heart to just bring these successful voices to you so that you have tons of options for role models if you are looking to scale your practice to a large level. So today I am bringing you Dr. Nicole Lindsay. She is on a mission to bridge the gap between chiropractors and Western medicine to just improve healthcare and help chiropractors, of course, build successful practices. She owns and operates a practice in Asheville, North Carolina, and she graduated from life in 2001. So in addition to practicing full-time, which you'll get to hear a little bit in this episode, I believe she said she, at this point, practices 24 patient hours a week. And then obviously lots of her time, you know, is in CEO land. But then she also has um, founded a program called Dominate Cairo Marketing. It's an online program and it was designed to teach chiropractors how to build profitable relationships with MDs. So she, through that program, has coached clients in 30 states and three countries. She loves sharing her passion on stage at chiropractic events um, and has been seen at all different types of events. Um, And she has mentored tons of chiropractors in marketing, business strategies, hiring and training associates, becoming debt-free at 40, um, and running your practice like a boss. Uh, She also hosts Cairo Secure's Empowering Women in Chiropractic show, and she runs a vacation rental business. And of course, in her free time, spending time with her hubby, her daughter, her two dogs, um, tons of outdoor stuff. I am so excited. Some of the just twists and turns in her story today, I know you are going to absolutely love. Um, There's so much just to be gleaned from listening for those pieces of her story that can inspire you to take action and, you know, just walk alongside in parallel to some of the important parts that really helped her achieve the level of success that she has today. So as always, if you are loving the series, if you're loving the podcast, please take a moment, share it on social, share it with a a chiropractic friend, um, you know, someone that you know just needs something new to listen to and something new in their earbuds. Um, And if you have any follow-ups, please head on over to the Facebook group, Facebook group, I'm saying group room combined. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, So you can find us illuminated Kairos. If you search on Facebook, head on over to the group and we are happy to help. So without further ado, this is our 2% interview with Dr. Nicole Lindsay. All right. So I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Nicole Lindsay to Illuminate Your Practice. Hello, my dear. Hello. Hello. Thank you. 
thank you so much for being here. And everyone heard in the intro where you hail from. But I have to say, I visited Asheville like two years ago for the first time. And I'm like, it is it's just a gem. It's yeah, so really gorgeous. Um, yeah. Be here for sure. So I always love to start. We're going to go way, way back to, you know, just all the things that oftentimes I think as grown women, we don't really think about when it comes to our success of just growing up and Cliff's notes version of your childhood. Like, did you have entrepreneurial role models? You know, where, what did you want to be growing up? Give us, give us all the details. Well, I grew up in New Jersey. Um, youngest out of 10 children, a big, big family. And um, no, I really didn't have any uh, entrepreneurial mentors. Um, it was it was really cool. It was really the hip thing to do to be smart and to, to have a lot of drive in my high school. We had a huge high school. And I had a lot of friends that had family members that had businesses had vacation homes and you know they took me with them on vacation they showed me uh, that life um, not that I had a bad life I had an awesome childhood but um, I just saw what was possible and I did hear a lot we can't afford that and you know I worked from age 14 you know bussing tables babysitting waiting to you know all the way up until now, you know, I worked my way, paid for my school clothes, paid for everything. So I think that early on, I just, I, I really, we didn't have extras. We had a lot of love. We had a very comfortable life, but I knew that there was more. I saw it. I got a taste of it. And um, I wanted that. I wanted that. I didn't want to worry about money. There was always that, you know, for my family. And I didn't want that. I wanted, um, I wanted, you know, to, to just live life, be happy with what I do and have income to do what I want to do when I want to do it. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I mean, the common thread I hear in a lot of these interviews is just the work ethic. Like a lot of us, I think that started so young where, you know, you want something, you work for it and being able to see that grow. So when did chiropractic come into the picture for you? I was pursuing a career in healthcare early on. I worked for medical doctors and thought that you know I would become a doctor of some sort. And um, and then I had an interesting situation happen. Um, I ended up going the pharmacy route, and I was en route. Um, took the PCATs. Was during the summer getting ready to enter pharmacy school, and. I happened to be looking through the curriculum of what I was about to be studying for the next, you know, four years. Not to mention, I was putting myself through college. I put myself through undergrad. I was putting myself through grad and looking at the, you know, the loans that I'd be taking out for this. And I wasn't that pumped about the curriculum and what I was going to be doing. I was just, I'd gotten into natural health and nutrition and just was not excited about it. Coupled with, I had a really good friend who um, he was just shy of his 21st birthday and was playing basketball with his friends. And during the game, he had trouble breathing. He went to his medical doctor because that's what we do, right? That's what we've been brainwashed to do. And his medical doctor said, you have asthma, uh, use this inhaler. And he used it. And two hours later, after using it for the first time, he went into pulmonary arrest, cardiac arrest, and he died. He had an allergic reaction to the inhaler. And this happened to be, you know, one of my, one of my very best childhood friends. And that was a pivotal point in my life because I realized, holy cow, this is what I'm going to be. I'm going to be part of that. I'm going to be giving inhalers out to people. And I really started thinking about this on many levels and didn't want to be part of this industry. Everybody around me, all my friends were into drugs and I mean, bad things were happening, overdoses here and there and just acquaintances and, and just drugs, drugs, drugs were bad, bad, bad. And I, I just, why am I doing that? This doesn't even feel right. And my sister 
was dating a chiropractor at the time. And I remember being very confused and just like, I don't know what I want to do. I can't believe I'm about to start school and I don't think I want to do this. What do chiropractors do for a living? And I'll never forget it. You know, the sitting in the backseat of his car and he, he tells me, and thank God he was a philosophical chiropractor. And he told me the above down and out story. And, you know, there it was. I said, this is what I want to do. How do I do that? That's what I want to do. And he said, go to Life University, best chiropractic school on the planet. And I did. And the rest is history. Oh, I love that story so much. I mean, obviously, part of it so tragic, but I'm such a firm believer that things are placed in your life to you know, change your trajectory. And obviously that's a huge example of that. So talk to us about your time at life. And while you were there, did you feel like that entrepreneurial bug? Like, did you start looking into business stuff? Did you think you wanted to open solo the whole time? Talk to us about your Cairo trajectory there. Yeah. I think I've always had that entrepreneur spirit. You know, I, I can remember way back when just having, always having ideas and uh, trying to figure out ways to earn income, to to do things for myself, the independency. I wanted that. Um, when I was in school, I started working for chiropractors early on. Um, and what I found was the chiropractors that were with consultant groups that had a coach that went to seminars that were really plugged in had great systems in their practice and they had it going on. They were very successful. Those that didn't, they just seemed like they were confused, like they were floundering. And I saw that early on. I worked for many, many different chiropractors because I wanted to see what style of practice I wanted to have. And I realized early on that marketing was a big piece of success in practice. No matter no matter what technique you did, you needed to know how to market yourself and your practice. And so I started doing marketing jobs for them and getting patients for them. And then I became the uh, president of the Student Alumni Association on campus, which was responsible for setting up spinal screenings in the community and health talks, teaching the student body how to do those, how to get patients. And yeah, I finished clinic in one quarter. And I had so many new patients in clinic that, you know, I would have them all come at the same time. I was, you know, cluster booking in clinic and I'd get the clinic doctor and I'd say, I've got eight patients here right now. Can I do all eight adjustments right now? And they would look at me, they'd say, you again? I'd say, come on, come on, let me do it. Let me do it. And they would, you know, they'd let me get. So then I started giving the patients that I'd get, I continued doing the screenings and do it just for practice and would give the patients to students. So yeah, I think that um, that entrepreneur spirit was was with me early on, for sure. That is like that is amazing. I really hope that students listening, like this, is a perfect example of you don't have to live in the confines and the structure that is put forth at when you're in school. Like, look at what I love that so much. You were like, well, I know that this is what I'm going to do in real life. So, like, why would I see you know six or eight patients throughout four hours when I could just get it done? And then, you know, practicing the art of actually talking about what we do, you know, this is just, it is, it's the secret sauce, in my opinion. Like we all, like you could be the best adjuster in the world, but if you have no idea how to explain what you do, you're going to sit around twiddling your thumbs for sure. Yeah. And not being afraid to ask, you know, like ask the clinic doctor, can I do that? I know we're not, we're not supposed to do that, but you know, this is something that I'm teaching my 17 year old now to, to, you never know what's the worst that can happen. They say no, you know, so ask, ask for what you want. So yeah. I think that's really important. That's too. amazing. I mean, you likely had more experience coming out of school than most docs have like, you know, two, three, four years into practice. So that's phenomenal. So talk to us about then graduation and moving into your early career. What did that look like? Yeah, because you're right. Because I had so much experience and and I could put all of that on my resume coming out of chiropractic school. Not to mention, I worked for chiropractors. You know, I got to the point where I only would work for chiropractors that were with consultant groups and because I would go to the seminars and continue to learn because we weren't getting that in school. 
right? So I had to learn it. So, uh, so I did that. So I was meeting chiropractors in the seminars as well. So kind of networking and learning how to do all of that. And so I started applying for um, and interviewing for jobs as an associate before I graduated. And sure enough, I found um, something in North Carolina was speaking to me, these mountains, these Blue Ridge Mountains. I am totally in love with this area. And we would come uh, whitewater rafting in Boone and go down the Nantahala and uh, when we were students at life. And these mountains just, just it was something in the, in, the, in the spirit of the mountains that called me in. And so I knew I wanted to be in this state, in this area. So I specifically looked for chiropractors that were hiring in this state and interviewed with them and came. And I found um, one that was with a group that I liked, a consultant group at the time. And, um, and he hired me. And he hired me because the person, it was CJ Mertz from w- WLP. You know, I was totally into that. Um, I had brought CJ on campus to speak to our group to our student alumni association. And he, CJ had tried to get on campus many, many times and Sid Williams would not let him. And I went to Sid Williams again, I asked and Sid Williams said yes. And so I brought CJ on campus and it was the, the largest uh, held, um, uh, sorry about that. It was the largest held um, function there on campus. And, uh, and so CJ actually told the chiropractor to hire me, um, when the time came. So, yeah, so I got the associate position and, um, graduated on a Friday, went to my first seminar as an associate that weekend in Los Angeles and started working as an associate the following Monday. (laughs) That sounds like... I mean, I've only heard this 12 minutes of your story, but that makes a lot of sense to me based on <laughs> what you've already shared. It's all crazy. No. Oh, it's, it's You were all in. You were yeah. all in from minute one. And I also just want to highlight, especially for students and young docs listening, like the power of tr- networking. Like networking is not dead. And honestly, in chiropractic like there's so much that can be gleaned based on you know who you know and putting yourself in the room and being willing to ask as she's sharing so i think it's so important you know nothing has changed you still aren't learning what you need to be successful as a as a business person in school and so i think it's so important for you to go and seek out those things just as she did so i love that so tell us about um, early career, your associate position, and you know how did that work? Yeah, and another thing too that I I, I want to know what we were just talking about is, you know, again I put myself through college and chiropractic school, so I knew that I had these student loan payments coming, and that was also a big force behind my drive was knowing that I had to pay that back. So I I never had debt. I never you know, wanted it. So that also motivated me to have a job lined up and start working, which I know students are coming out with three times the debt that you and I probably did. But um, that was a, that was a huge motivator for me as well. Um, Yeah. So starting off as an associate, um, the chiropractor that hired me had three offices and he hired me for one of his new satellite offices. He had a chiropractor in there already um, that had been there for about six months, but the practice was not really taken off. So that's the office he put me in um, because of my experience, because of my ability to market and you know what my resume had on there. He said, I need you to grow this practice. So that's what I did. And um, you know, I remember <laughs> week one, I had spinal screening set up. Week two, I had health talk set up. Yeah, and it was just hit the ground running. And within six months, pretty much quadrupled that practice. So it was, um, it was, it was work. It wasn't, um, it wasn't easy. Um, still isn't. 21 years in it. <laughs> it's still, uh, some things are easier and some things aren't. But it was, it was a lot of work. Um, a lot of fun 
but it was, it was work. Um, and he treated me well. He let me go to the seminars. He, he taught me, um, instructed me, critiqued me, was a good mentor, was a good coach to me, gave me access to the consultant, um, and going to the seminars, networking there. Uh, I attribute a lot of my success to, to that, to coaching. I'm a big fan of coaching. I think all students coming out of school, starting off, should have a coach. Absolutely. 100%. Tell us about your thought process in becoming an associate. I know, you know, a lot of people as they're graduating, they're really turned off by this thought of growing someone else's practice and putting the work and energy in. So if you could go back in time and like walk us through your thought process there, I think that would be really important for them to hear. I probably could have started my own practice, you know, with all the experience and work that I put in for other chiropractors during school and what I knew, I probably could have. But clinically, I did not have the experience there. Uh, My technique, my skills. uh, I also, there's a lot about running a business that you just you just don't get in school or even working for another chiropractor. You have to you have to learn it as you go and do it yourself. So I knew that this was not just about chiropractic. It was about running a business. And in order to be a chiropractor, I needed to know how to run a business. So I knew ultimately I would have my own business. I mean, that was always the goal. But being an associate was kind of a jump off or a stepping stone in order to get there. And my plan was one to two years. In fact, I'd signed a two-year contract. And then I knew that I would I would have my own practice. And I'm so happy I did that. And I tell all students that ask me, you know, my advice on that, what would they do? I always say be an associate. Um, definitely find a, you know, a practice that you resonate with. And um, it's it's not all horror stories. I've had, you know, many associates, most of which have gone on to build their own practice like I did. But I remember sitting in school in classes early on and I had um, the logo, the very logo. I have hands and a swirl. Um, That was an image I would draw on my notes during school. I knew the name of my practice would be back in balance. I knew that, you know, second, third quarter of practice of, of chiropractic school. I would, I would doodle that I would draw that. So I knew one day I would have that. And so being an associate um, is by no means a step back or um, is, is going to hold you back. I feel it's, it's absolutely imperative for, um, for practice success to learn on somebody else's dime. So you don't have to worry about paying those student loans. You don't have to worry about paying your bills when you come out of school, have a salary, learn the ropes. Yes, you may not make you know, the amount of money that you think you're worth coming out of school. But let's face it, you have a lot to learn and it should be about that. And um, and that's another thing. Um, during my interview with the chiropractor that hired me as an associate, I remember thinking to myself, I don't care what he offers me. I know that I'm probably worth a lot more. I know I can bring to the table a lot more, but I need to learn from this man. He has three practices. He's with a coach. I love what I'm seeing in his practice because I visited it. I don't care what he offers me. I'm going to do this irregardless. And at the time, this is going back 21 years ago, you know, he offered me, it was like $36,000 salary, a pretty in, a, a good bonus situation, but I didn't even negotiate. I was like, done. I'm coming. Done. Yeah. <laughs> I took the job. <laughs> There's just so much there. There's so much meat there to be. I just think it's it's so apparent that you were this just effervescent learner. Like you understood. I mean, you had more skills to bring to the table than probably any associate, <laughs> any anyone fresh out of school known to man, right? I mean, I can count on one hand the number of people that I know that went into as you know, tons of practices in school and went to tons of seminars. Like that's, that's the unicorn right there. So you were a unicorn and you still understood, like there's still all these areas that I need to invest time and just, you know, give myself an opportunity to see real life. So you say there, 
Yeah, <laughs> it obviously did. So you stayed there for two years and then, oh, oh. So actually, um, yeah. So I started, you know, and I did make great bonuses and I ended up getting paid pretty decent with, with that. You know, I didn't think he expected that I would do so well, but, um, after about a year I was ready and I was in a two year contract. I was like, okay, listen, I have to start my own practice. I know we have a non-compete clause and I'm absolutely going to go out of that. I want to stay in the region, but I will definitely go, you know, 20 miles out or whatever it was at the time. Um, it's time for me to start my own practice. And, um, he agreed. He was like, yeah, you absolutely do. And he said, you know, you built this practice. So why don't you consider buying it? He said, I don't know anybody in there. It's yours. And, uh, I'd never, I thought I would always start my own practice. You know, I never thought that I would buy something and, um, we, we made the numbers right. And I ended up buying it. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother discussion. Trying to get a loan 21 years ago, a woman, uh, trying to get a bank loan, um, seven banks denied me. You know, I was the only chiropractor that that practice really knew beyond the first six months of it. I had a business plan. I had marketing. I had, you know, generating X amount of dollars and banks, you know, nope, nope, denied me. And um, finally found a banker that uh, my last draw, she said, you know, I, I, I only deal with million dollar loans, but I believe in you. I'm going to push this loan through. And she did. And that was how I was able to purchase the practice. I followed her everywhere, every bank, you know, when I bought my commercial building, when I expanded, anytime I needed, need money, I, I would go and she went, she changed like three, four banks. I would go to her, you know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that, so I ended up purchasing the practice from that chiropractor. When I set out to build my dream practice, it didn't take long for me to realize that most chiropractic wall art was bland, confusing for patients, and let's be honest, just plain ugly. This is the exact reason why Cheryl Holst created Aligned Well Chiros. It's an amazing resource for clean, modern patient education materials. Their posters, flyers, and even apparel are an amazing asset to help your patients understand the power of chiropractic. For a limited time, you can save 20% on your first order with Aligned Well Kairos. Just find her shop on Etsy. Of course, the full link is in the show notes and use the code Illuminate at checkout. That's Aligned Well Kairos. No spaces on Etsy. Use the code Illuminate to save 20%. And I can't wait to see how beautiful your office becomes. Okay. And if you're willing to share, like, where was the practice? Like, what was it doing when you first came in out of school? And like, where was it when you bought it? And then, you know, just walk us through the first few years of growth. Yeah, there were some bumpy roads there. Um, You're making me go way back here with numbers. So when I first got into that practice, I want to say it was doing about 50 visits a week. Um, It may have been doing about I don't know, $15,000 a month, somewhere around there, 12 to 15,000, um, one CA and, um, and one chiropractor. And so he put me in there. And like I said, within, um, within a year, it was up to, I mean, I was doing pretty high volume. I was doing about close to 300 visits a week, um, myself. And, was doing, I wasn't doing any therapies of straight chiropractic. So adjustments, I was doing care plans. And so I brought the collections up to probably closer to $35,000, $40,000 a month. Cause I remember when I told him it was time to leave, I said, I'm making my salary in a month for you. <laughs> I think it's time to go, you know? Um, so that's um, where the office was when I took it over. I think I ended up paying, it was like maybe $175,000 for the practice. Um, there wasn't commercial real estate. It was practice patients and all the equipment. Um, we had two CAs. I did all the hiring, all the firing. I did all the training, um, everything as an associate. I did all the marketing. 
all the adjusting. I did everything. So he was right. You know, I, I, it was my practice. I did build it and I was doing anything, everything. My first two years as a business owner, what was really cool about it. And, you know, my husband, um, he is, you know, they say there's behind every strong, successful man is a successful woman. Well, it goes both ways. Behind every successful woman, strong woman is a strong man. And um, I would not be where I am, I don't think. Um, maybe I would be, but um, we won't tell him that. But um, if it weren't for him, he's he is my partner. He is um, he is he pushes me when I need it. He pulls me back down when I need it grounds me. And he's also, you know, my consultant, you know, what should I do about this? I'm a really good partners in life, parenting, business, all of that. But I remember this juncture of my life, you know, he was the one saying, I, I kept saying, I, I'm not going to buy this practice. I'm, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. 175,000 when I already have, you know, $150,000 in student loans I need to pay. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I can start a practice for 20 grand and I can build it like I did before within six months to a year and not have all that debt. And he kept doing the numbers and showing me that day one of owning that practice, I would step into this salary. Granted, I would have a bank loan for the practice. I would still be making this salary. And that was what made all the sense in the world to me. Okay, you're right. That does make sense. And day one, looking at the bank account and realizing that all that money was mine, as long as I could live on what I was currently living on, I could pay that debt off in no time. And that's what I did. So the first two years in business for myself as a business owner, I paid off my student loan of $150,000 and my bank loan um, on the practice. And got rid of that, lived on, lived a modest life. I was comfortable with, with what I was living on and, and got rid of that debt. So that's also, I think, important for um, young docs when they come into money to do the right thing with the money. Uh, so you don't get yourself in a situation, you know, years down the road. But here's something else that happened early on in practice. I got pregnant. Uh, my husband and I got engaged and whoops, I got pregnant. And here we go. I have to bring an associate in, right? So I start interviewing because I know the inevitable is going to happen. I'm going to have to have a baby and take time off and figure this out. Well, um, it didn't go as planned. My pregnancy was not a fun pregnancy. Um, week 22 of my pregnancy, I went in to find out the sex of the baby, the first ultrasound. And something told me to have an OBGYN, um, not a midwife. I had an OBGYN and I went in for the ultrasound and I found out that I was in labor and preterm labor and they had to send me to um, labor and delivery. I was barely showing, you know, 22 weeks pregnant and they, the doctor came in and she said, good news and bad news. The good news is we stopped the labor. The bad news is you're on bed rest now until the time you have your baby. And it was Wednesday afternoon. And I'm like looking at her like, I have to be at work tomorrow because I did not have an associate yet. And she said, not if you want to have this baby, you are on bed rest. And so I closed my office and I started interviewing from my couch. I had associates come to my home and interviewed and hired somebody that weekend, my first associate. She showed up Monday. That was within the first two years of practice. I'm like, there's so much in this yeah, two years that we need to talk about. So first of all, for those of you listening that aren't, you know, I don't know if this clip of watching will make anything, but like when she said, oh yeah, I paid off my 150K in student loans and my 175K in, in two years, my jaw just was like, what? That's unheard of. That's unheard of. I think you're... I mean, that level of discipline is just, I'm, I'm awestruck by that level of discipline. So I think for so many of you listening, I mean, so much there, right? Like your partner and having someone that thinks a little bit differently than you to bounce ideas off of. That's, you know, what you were describing is very, very much. I was actually envisioning my husband running the exact same numbers. 
Um, I think that's so key for you to have that trusted person that has just that little bit different perspective so that you can really have a well-rounded, you know, just like brain trust around you. I think that's so key. But then the discipline factor, because I have to imagine and I have to ask, like, even before getting pregnant, were you starting to get like at that volume? Were you tired? Were you concerned about like the trajectory before you got pregnant? Was associate thought on the mind? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I was I was burnt. I was burnt out. Uh, That that level of practice, that level of volume, I realized it was too much. It was too much for me physically, mentally. It was a lot. So um, yes, I was trying to find ways and figure out ways to um, change things up because it was just not how I wanted to practice. I did it. I can do it, but I don't want to do it. So um, yeah, so I, I um, bringing an associate in was the best. And I've had an, an associate ever since. Um, that forced me to do it sooner than later. Sometimes that's the way life is. And maybe that's why I had to go on bed rest. You know, there's always a purpose and a reason for everything. And, and maybe that was, I usually have to be, you know, I have to smack into the wall twice to, to hear and see things. And boy, was that, you know, so um, I will never practice without an associate um, ever again. So that was, that was huge for me. So we have to know how the story ends. Like how did the rest of the pregnancy go? How did onboarding her? Like what happened then? Yeah. So, um, I coached her from my couch, um, talked with her. I was able to, um, come up with, you know, checklists and, you know, outlines and scripts and, um, coached her from my couch and she did well. She kept the practice going. She maintained, she retained. I also called every single patient myself and told them what was going on. And many of my patients came to my house and visited me throughout my bed rest and brought me gifts and brought me food and, and, um, books and, you know, things like that. Um, that was, you know, it was really huge. That was my husband's idea. Um, and, you know, just being real with them and letting them know what was going on and you're in good hands. This chiropractor is going to take very good care of you. And as soon as I'm able, I'm going to come back. Um, and I did, you know, but pregnancy, I went into labor three more times, went back to the hospital three more times to stop labor. And then finally, at week 36 of my pregnancy, the doctor said, you can come off bed rest. And um, I did. And then, of course, week 40 came and went. And she said, we're going to have to induce labor. No, we're not going to induce labor. This baby's going to come when this baby's going to come, right? And um, week 42 finally went into labor naturally and had to sign off on all the forms saying, I know that I'm, you know, well, here's the story. This this is kind of a cool story and shows you how stubborn I am. And um, she, uh, my water, week 42, my water started leaking but I did not go into active labor and I knew I had 24 hours. I I could feel the baby moving. Um, I called my doctor and she said, you need to come to labor and deliver. We need to induce now. And I said, no, I know I have 24 hours. I'm going to wait 24 hours. And she said, "Um, well, you need to sign off on all this because I'm not okay with this. And so I signed off on it. And then about hour 20, I started to get nervous and I hadn't had any sleep. And so I told my husband, okay, I'm going to go lay down for about 30 minutes. And if I'm not in labor, let's go to, let's go to go ahead and get induced. We'll go to labor and delivery. And so I went and laid down, fell into a deep sleep during that 30 minutes, woke up, water full on broke, active labor. And that was like the 23rd hour and was able to have my baby girl all natural, you know, natural. I had a doula and, um, and it was intense, but, um, healthy, healthy baby. But just to show you, um, my drive and stubbornness with every single thing I do. <laughs> and the twists and turns there. I mean, that pregnancy story, like it's, I was waiting for you to say at 36 weeks, you know, I got up and I started walking every day and then I went into labor in like two days, you know, but Wow, I, me is, too. I wanted, that yeah. Too. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. That's wild. Okay. So I love that. So tell us then after taking some time off with your new daughter and coming back to the practice, like being back now physically in the practice for the first time in months and months, actually you know, coaching an associate doc in person, like what were some of the lessons that then you had to learn in that transition? I had to learn to be patient because I was still not physically, I was nursing. I nursed my baby for six months. I'd bring her in and try and work and try and coach while being a mom. And one of the most important things I learned is that I needed separation. I needed separation from my daughter so that I could work and still be the entrepreneur, the the business and chiropractor that I worked so hard to achieve. I still wanted that, but I needed time from my daughter to do that. And bringing her in the office was not good for me because I couldn't get separation. It was still all about her. And so I hired a nanny and had time part-time and had time to go to work and be Dr. Nicole Lindsay, and then could clock out, which I never did before. Before I had her, I never clocked out. I would go home and work and work and work. You know, it never ended. After having a baby, I would clock out. I would go home. I would pick up my baby and I would be mom and I would nurse and I would cuddle and it would not be work. And it was amazing. And it was so awesome to be able to learn that. It was the first time in my life that I learned that it was okay to separate work from home and have these these different hats that you wear. So that was huge for me. And I really liked that. Like having Gabby, my daughter really helped me to, um, you know, have these separations and and do that. Um, in, in terms of an associate, um, once I did that, once I was able to separate that um, I was able to then focus on being a better um, mentor and being a better boss because I wasn't. I didn't really know what I was doing and I made a lot of mistakes and I expected the associate to, to grow the practice and do all these things without proper training. You know, I thought everybody was like me and they're not. And not everybody has the same strengths and skills you need. And And I didn't even learn that with that associate. It took me probably four or five associates before I really learned that, that, you know, you have to figure out what holes you need to fill in your business, in your practice, and what skills you want your associates to have, and then hire them for those skills. Don't just bring associates in thinking they're going to, you're going to teach them to be you. Uh, For me, that didn't work. And I made a lot of mistakes doing that. And, um, and now I know how to how to how to coach better and how to train these associates better to for their strengths um, so that you can all be successful. Yeah, that's so candid and I appreciate you sharing so honestly. And that's I mean, that's I think the most common threat, you know, thread that I hear with anyone that has had multiple associates is, you know, we were so busy running and just like growing things that we expect someone to kind of step in and like run with us. And that's just, that's just not how life works. And so I think it's so important to just recognize those things. So, you know, to everyone listening, like we're all human, we have to have a little grace for each other. And, you know, none of us went to school to learn how to manage and lead and do all the HR components and training and all of that. So I think that is such an important piece to highlight. So I definitely want to hear more about today for sure. But before we get to today in practice, tell us about like two or three more pivotal moments from, you know, the time you had Gabby to now that you feel are really important for them to hear, especially for those women that, you know, really have that entrepreneurial itch and they want to grow an empire like you have. Yes. I think one important thing is taking risks. Um, you know, me coming to North Carolina, not knowing a soul, um, as an associate in a place, um, was, was big for, you know, someone at, you know, whatever age I was, I can't remember at that time, but 
taking that risk got me where I am today. Taking a risk to uh, buy a commercial building, taking a huge loan um, out and moving my business, that was huge. That was probably hands down one of the um, best financial decisions that I've made in practice. Um, but it involved taking that risk. Um, I brought in a second associate. I, I, I know we're going to talk about today, but that was another risk I took. You know, I, I don't know if I want to bring in that other associate. I'm kind of my plate's full. I know that they require training and I know this is another um, element to my overhead and I'm responsible for another person's salary. And it was a risk and that risk paid off and helped me get to another level. So I think that that's, there's been many points in my life where I I took calculated risks. I'm not saying take a risk that you haven't thought about, you haven't crunched the numbers um, with and thought about from many different angles, but be willing to take that risk because it may just pay off. And then I'd love to hear more. So tell us about your marketing company. So I like way back when, many years ago, actually had my team go through your course. And so I want to go back to, you mentioned at the beginning of the interview that I think it was an undergrad that you had been working for MDs, right? And so I have to imagine that that was part of the bridge that helped you use that in your marketing. But tell everyone about that aspect of your marketing, because I do feel it's super unique still today in chiropractic. So tell us about how you developed that relationship with other providers in your area. Yeah, I think that um, it's interesting because I'd never thought about the fact that, yeah, when I was in high school, I worked for medical doctors um, all the way through. So I guess I have been building relationships with them for a very long time. But it wasn't until I was in practice for a couple years. And, um, you know, I talk about the 2008 dot com bubble with, um, I don't know if you were practicing then, but I was, and it was a scary time. We had, um, you know, people dropping out of care, wanting refunds, all the marketing events that were easy to set up. Businesses were, you know, not doing any functions. Um, so I, I, at the time I had an associate and I had an athletic trainer, I had a team of, you know, four CAs, you know, I had overhead and I started to get really nervous about, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And there's always a way, you know, there's always, um, another way out. And, um, I journaled, I thought about it and I thought, you know what, um, we may not be able to do spinal screenings. We may not be able to do health fairs or talks at businesses right now, but I know there are people going to medical doctors offices, um, and urgent cares that are, um, hurting, you know, that have neck pain, headaches, low back pain, and they're looking for solutions. So what, what we need to do is find a way to get into those MDs offices and let them know that we're an option for that. And perhaps we can bridge gaps and we can obtain those referrals by doing that, by building those relationships. And that's what I did. And I, you know, with my, um, stubbornness and my drive, I made it my goal, my mission to have as many talks set up in MD's offices, outreach as possible. And that's what I did. I went in, I did lunch and learns like pharmaceutical companies. I talked to them about different topics and educated the medical doctors and started receiving referrals. Didn't take long. And, you know, it was five referrals, 10 referrals a month, but it was steady, you know, and it was great. These are the best patients, you know, they're going to do what their MD says, but it was nice. I, beyond the lunch for the staff and my time of talking to the medical doctor, it didn't cost me anything. So it was like a low cost marketing, um, effort and huge payoff. So I did this and built my practice over the years um, more and more doing this and just every year make an effort to keep reaching out to the new MDs in the area 
and still do that to this day. Yeah. And I think, you know, what we've already talked about in your interview with being willing to take risks, being willing to ask. I mean, I I know for a fact that probably 80% plus of chiropractors would like, no, I'm never going to go ask to to talk to a group of medical doctors. So for those people that you feel like are listening to this and they're just like, I could never do that. What advice would you have for them? Yeah, you have to get out of your own way and realize that anything you do that if you want to get to the next level, whether it's set up marketing streams of marketing that are seamless so that you don't have to worry about it, whether it's reach a certain level in practice, I want to reach a million dollars, whether it's I want to have another associate, irregardless of what that level is for you, you have to get out of your own way and be willing to do it. There's no secret. There's no magic. You just have to do it. And I promise you, when you do it, whether it's you're in that MD's office knee to knee, elbow to elbow at their break table, having lunch, talking about chiropractic, you will have these butterflies in your stomach. When you leave that meeting, you will immediately take the three steps up to that next level. And it happens just like that. The minute you do it, you immediately step up to that next level and you have arrived. So get out of your own way and just do it. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's doing it while feeling the butterflies. I think so many people are waiting for the time when they're not going to be nervous about something. And, you know, I can say for myself, I, you know, have been in practice for a long time and I'm still get, I still get nervous. I've given a million talks and I still get nervous. Um, And so I think it's just, it's important to, as you said, if you really truly want something, you have to be willing to do it and face those nerves and go where the people are. I mean, I think it's absolutely brilliant that, you know, you were just looking at the system and saying, I know that these, this is what's happening with these people. So how do I go meet them where they are and give them this other opportunity? So let's fast forward to today. So you've been in practice for 21 years, correct? 21. So tell us about your, your like week to week now, definitely sprinkle in some nuggets about the program, you know, that you offer to help other chiropractors learn how to do what you do when it comes to, you know, marketing to those other health professions. But I would love to hear like, how many hours are you adjusting? I know you have vacation rental stuff. So you have some other entrepreneurial things going on. Just Give us the whole spiel. Yeah. So I have right now, um, my husband's a physical therapist and he came into the practice 10 years ago or 11 years ago now. So we have chiropractic and physical therapy in my practice. I have two associate chiropractors working for me and we are open 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. No, I'm sorry, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, Monday through Thursday. And then Friday, we do 7am to noon. And we also are open every other Saturday. So I currently work um, 24 hours a week, um, patient hours. And my role, as I said earlier, um, in this podcast, I have found that figuring out each person's strength uh, in the office, even the CAs, um, and the associates finding out what everybody's good at and trying to capitalize on that and having that staff member, as long as they're a good productive team member, of course, um, having them do more of that and even kind of creating niches for them, uh, maybe even positions. Um, my front desk CA, um, for example, she, I've just moved her to um, marketing virtual now from home because I'm running out of space or busting at the seams in my practice. Um, but also as integrator, she's going, she's backing me, doing all the stuff that frees me up in terms of looking at stats and ledgers, um, mistakes, you know, things that I typically do, um, she's doing for me. And we just created that position for her because she's really good at it. And I found that 
I can hire another front desk person to answer phones, to greet people and check people in. But what I want her doing more of to free me up is this other stuff. So, um, so that's what I've done. And one of my strengths is connecting with new patients, doing day one and day two, the reports. Um, I do maybe 20% adjusting, but I do primarily um, oversee becoming more of the CEO of my business, um, the visionary, um, coming up with, with great marketing ideas. We have a robust marketing campaign and lots of stuff on social media. We do podcast episodes, videos, emails, you know, the whole nine yards. And I love coming up with that and educating the patients and the staff, um, hosting weekly staff trainings and quarterly team trainings and making those creative and productive. Um, so I spend the majority of my time um, b- working on the business as the CEO and have all the staff members in proper places based on their strengths and really try and allow them to do more of what they're good at. And that has enabled the practice to really soar to new heights. We had our best year ever in practice last year. Um, so we are um, marketing wise, we do a whole lot. We, of course, the MD marketing, we send out um, condition reports to all the MDs um, in our area. Um, ones that we specifically work with, we put in a little postcard there as well and write a handwritten note. Um, we'll stop in and the ones we have relationships with bring them information and some of these condition reports and just some FaceTime. We just, you know, make sure we keep the love alive with them, keep connecting with them. Um, we, we have some Google ads and lots of videos out. Um, other than that, I really don't have any other paid marketing strategies going on right now. We just, it, it just seems to run itself with our reputation, our brand, our online presence, and the MD marketing that we have going on. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I think, again, just a testament to, you know, being willing to do the work up front. Like you do get to a point I, that, you know, a lot of the things that you have done years and years ago are still really paying off to this day. That's the case, I think, for any established practice. So tell them, what. so when did you decide to start teaching other chiropractors about what you do with um, marketing to other health professionals? And tell them a little bit about that. I had a coach come into my practice and he, um, David Warman, um, I'll give him I'll give him some credit and some props because he deserves it. Um, he does this really cool thing where he comes into your practice and basically observes everything that you do. Um, and he'll sit down with your staff members as well and interview them. But he observes for a whole day, and then uh, the second day you shut down the office and you basically do a whole SWOT analysis on your business. And he brings to light things that he saw, um, areas that you could work on. And, you know, you meet with him privately about that. And then you meet as a team and you just kind of, you come up with a whole new plan moving forward for, you know, what you want to work, what you need to work on um, based on your goals. And it was at that second day that him and I were talking and he said, you know, I've been in hundreds and hundreds of chiropractors offices doing this. And I've, I haven't seen this before. You get how many referrals from MDs? And I, you know, had all the numbers there and I said, yeah, it's right there. And, and he said, you need to teach chiropractors how to do this. And I said, well, I'll do it when I'm good. <laughs> and he said, you are good. You need to do it now. And you know, that's, um, that's what it took. And that's what it takes sometimes is to have a good coach, a good mentor, a good friend, a good person in your life that sees something um, about you and again, pushes you, you know, five degrees in another direction, another level up. And I went home that night and I, I just had, actually, I was in my car on the way home I do a lot of brainstorming on the way home and I had receipts, long receipt. And I remember I pulled over because I had this idea and I wrote down my whole idea for my MD 
marketing course on a receipt <laughs> and turned that into my MD connections program that I have now. <laughs> That's awesome. So how long ago was that? When did you launch that program? That was, God, that's got to be about five years ago now. Okay. Awesome. So tell them about what it looks like today, like where they can find more information about that program, follow more along with what you're doing, all of those things. Yes. So what I teach are the different strategies that I used to and continue to use to build relationships with MDs. So um, how to set up lunch and learns at the MD's offices. I give you the lunch and learns um, for primary providers, for OBGYNs, um, pain specialists. And um, that is one strategy. The, the actual meet and greet is another. If you don't want to do a lunch and learn, you go into the MD's office, you can just set up a 10-minute talk. So we teach you that. Um, teach you all the strategies what you say when you're there, um, all the objections that might come up. You know, I've done it a million and one times. I've seen pretty much everything. Um, the, the program used to involve having medical doctors on there as well that we would role play with and brainstorm. And a lot of that, there are a lot of nuggets that came out of that as well. So I have those all recorded and the students have access to that because you can get so much good stuff from what the MDs are telling us and what they want to see, what they don't want to see, what they want to hear, you know, that sort of thing and learning the language. So the course you can um, sign up, it's on demand. You can do it at your own pace. You can um, get your staff involved. Your CAs can help you. Your associates can help you. You can have your associate run the program for you if this is something that you want them to do. Um, so it's basically a think if it's think if it course right now and you sign up, you pay, you get it right in your email inbox on demand, you run through the courses and then you and I have contact uh, on a monthly basis as you implement. Cause it's set up for you to implement one strategy a week and then we touch base and I hold you accountable and make sure that you're doing what you need to do. Because like we said, in order for something to work, you need to be uh, willing to take that risk and you just have to do it. And what I find is that sometimes people, chiropractors will buy the course and they shelf it. They don't do it. Um, it's not going to help you if you don't do it. So um, yes, you can find the program through my Facebook page, uh, Dominate Cairo Marketing with the number one. And that is our Facebook page. And then there's a learn more where you, it'll take you to the landing page for the course, give you more information. And if you have any questions for me about it, you know, feel free to reach out to me as well on Facebook um, or through this podcast. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. We'll put all those links in the show notes for everybody that is interested. But I just think it's so important when someone has success doing something and then they turn, you know, it wasn't even on her radar to teach other chiropractors about that. But I, I often find that that is the most successful type of teaching when you just have so much real world experience that now you can parlay that into, you know, here's what's worked and what hasn't worked for me. Uh, and it's so much easier to learn from someone who's been willing to take those risks themselves. So definitely everyone can check that out. So we are going to wrap up, but I would love to ask, like, out of all of these different nuggets that we have talked about in your journey, if you had any other secret sauce that you would love to share with them about, you know, how you got from where you were in graduating with, of course, you know, debt like we all have to where you are now, what do you think it's important for them to hear about your journey? I have to say... The the thing I think that helps me the most, that always guides me, that has gotten me here, that continues to get me where I need to go, um, as cheesy as it is, is um, always listening to your gut. Um, we teach patients this about healthcare, you know, our innate intelligence, our internal wisdom, paying attention to that when it comes to guiding you in health. I have found that my gut will always lead me in the direction, whether it's, um, you know, 
a staff member that I know it's time to get rid of, um, whether it's a new business venture that I'm looking at doing, um, does this feel right? And you know, you know, your innate knows and it is telling you all the time what to do about everything. You just have to listen to it uh, and, and don't fight it. You know, there's times where you're pushing so hard to do something and your innate intelligence is telling you, don't do it. You know, you're exhausted. You're tired. This is not the time. Listen to it. Listen to it. Um, because if you don't, then, you know, you end up in burnout. You end up unhappy. You end up in situations that, you know, you, you might be in, in over your head. I've found every time I listen to my gut, it's always right. It guides me right where I need to be. And the more you can get in tune with that on a business sense, you know, of course, use it for all aspects, um, relationships, health, but use it business-wise as well. Uh, I, I find that that's probably the secret sauce for me. Mm, such good words to live by. So thank you so, so much for being here, Dr. Nicole. I'm so excited for them to hear about your journey and just be able to glean some awesome nuggets of wisdom for their application in their own life. So thank you so much for being here. All right, everybody, all of those links, they can be found in the show notes. So make sure you head on over and check it out. And um, Nicole, do you prefer Facebook or Instagram? Where can they connect with you easiest? Facebook. Facebook. Okay. Awesome. So check her out on Facebook and tune in again next week for another episode of Illuminate Your Practice. Thanks everybody. Have a good one.